That was kind of quick. <laughs> I was prepared to sit there for a while. How you doing tonight, guys? Everybody all right? Well, tonight, um, I'm excited to be here. I love being here. And uh, Zach has trusted us with his house, and let's just pray we don't tear it down tonight. How's that sound? Paul said something to the church in Romans in verse chapter 1, and I'm just going to read this before we get, go to where I'm going to go. And he said, For I long to impart to you the gift of the Spirit that will empower you to stand strong in your faith. Paul said, I want to impart to you some spiritual gift that will help you as an individual stand strong in your faith. Now, this means that when we come together and are side by side, something wonderful will be released. We can expect to be co-encouraged and co-comforted by each other's faith. That's in Romans chapter 1, the Passion Translation. Just something about coming together in the house of God, breaking the word and fellowship in. There's, it's powerful. And a, a lot of people, and I even heard some people this week talking about it wasn't important to be in church, that they have church in their pasture, they have church in their yard or on the golf course. And believe me, I think that you can be in, have encounters with God wherever you are. I, I have encounters with God when I'm watching movies sometimes. I have an encounter with God when I'm driving down the road. But there's something about being together as a church, as a body, as a group, that we encourage each other in the things of God. Amen. Now, what I'm going to share tonight, I, I kind of had this ideal in my head, and when I started studying, I just kept going back further and further and further till I probably won't get to where I actually wanted to go, but that's just how it worked out. But there's something about the Word of God that I don't know how you are, and I would like to think you're probably like this also, no matter who's speaking, whether it be Pastor Dwayne or Austin or Zach or Jacob or anyone, when they're speaking and sharing the Word of God, my mind just goes off in all kinds of directions. And I'm thinking about this, and I'm thinking about that, and God's showing this to me, and he's showing that to me. And it may not even completely rhyme with the thing that the person is talking about. Have you, have you ever had that happen to you? And sometimes I take little journeys while uh, the preacher is preaching, and I'm just off in my little rabbit trail and thinking about how the Word of God could apply in my life. And then I'll come back, and I'll get another point, and I'll take off again, and just sitting there in my chair. So I'm okay with that. If I see you wander off, I'm okay with that because I know you will come back when you get everything that God has finished talking to you about. Amen? You know, I don't know about you, but we're in a confused world right now, if you see that as I see that. And especially, it, it doesn't make sense because a Christian should know the things of God. A Christian should be a little smarter than what I see many of the Christian world walking about. We, sh we should have more of the mind and the wisdom of God. We have the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. We have the mind of Christ. We have the mind. We're not confused. We're not lost. We're not walking in circles. We have the mind of Christ and all of the wisdom of God is available to us anytime we want it. If you read the book of Proverbs, it says, I wisdom, I stand at the top of the house crying out to you, just let me in. Let me in. Let me come into you. If you would just invite me. I stand at the chief concourses of the city as you walk through. I'm crying out to you. If you'll just listen to me, I will fellowship with you and I will show you all that you need to know. Amen. Just say, I have all I need to know. Because you have the mind of Christ. You have the very fullness of God on the inside of you. And as Pastor Dwayne has been talking about, our spirit man that's been made in the likeness and image of God, it is just like God. It's not going to get any better. It is perfected forever in the sight of God for not just that he sees it that way. It is really that way. Amen. And yet when I see our spiritual life, and then I see our natural life, and I see the world and how it has this negative bent towards it. And everything it sees is negative. There's a reason for that, and I think the Scriptures is pretty clear as to why that is. There's the life of the Spirit, and there's the life of the flesh. Now, when I say flesh, I'm not talking about your body. Everybody good there? The word flesh means without the skin in the Greek. So what it's talking about is something that's hid. It's something that's kind of underneath. Now, it could talk about the body in a few rare cases, but 
the Bible will definitely share those things with us as we go through it. But he's talking about this nature, this something that's just underneath versus the life of the Spirit that each and every one of us are warring with on a regular basis. And it's important to have the Word of God imparted to us on a regular basis, whether in our personal study time, which is the best, but also coming together like this so we can know the things of God and live a life that's less confused than what most people have been living. Amen. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4, and I'm going to be in the Passion Translation. And I know this is a little uh, hard to go through all of these, but I don't like my electronic Bible, so I use the paper Bibles. They're just a lot easier for me. Ephesians chapter 4. The book of Ephesians is broken up predominantly. Well, it is broken up really, and though it doesn't say it, in two parts. You have part one and part two. That's usually why you have two parts, one and two, Right? <laughs> But the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians talk about who you are in Christ Jesus. It talks about your position in Christ, and it kind of gives you the idea of the legal aspects and rights that you have as a newborn believer. The legalities of the kingdom of God. It's what's legally yours. And so when the enemy comes against you, and it's something that attacks the legalities of the word of God and what God says, you have a right to challenge that. You have a right to stand on who you are in Christ and challenge that. And that's what predominantly the first three chapters in the book of Ephesians talk about. But when you get into the second three, four, five, and six, it talks more about what this looks like as we begin to live it out. What it looks like in our everyday life, the vitality of the word, how it flows through us and how it expresses itself in our world. And I want to be really clear with you tonight. Our culture today needs people expressing the Word of God in it like never before. We need people that stand up and begin to challenge the negative things that are coming down the pike and begin to share the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that's going to get people saved. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the life of God, and we have to share that through our lives. Jesus said, you are, not will be, but you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And if we don't light ourselves and, and stay lit and maintain the glow, then how's anyone else going to see how they're going to find their way back to the ways of God if they're walking in darkness? Amen? So let's look at this a little bit from the Paul's perspective on what it means to live this vital life. Let's look at verse number 17. So with the wisdom given to me, this is the Apostle Paul, Ephesians 4, 17. So with the wisdom given to me from the Lord, I say. Now, that's pretty powerful right there, just in the end of itself. I just wonder, what if each and every one of us only spoke when we spoke from the wisdom that God gives us? Well, I fall short on that one quite often, I promise you. I have my opinion that I just have to interject sometimes and what I think, and I get the two confused occasionally. But what if we could learn and we could get a word, a revelation from God, the wisdom that comes from God, and we begin to share that into the circumstances, school board meetings, into campus issues and city council meetings and at our job and on our businesses and in our families and when we're dealing with people with marriage issues and we're dealing with people with children issues and all kinds of things and health issues. What if we could speak with the wisdom that comes from God? This is what Paul said. He said, I'm not telling you what I think about anything. What I matter doesn't matter. He said, I'm a smart guy. I was trained well, and yet it means nothing compared to this new creation reality that I have in Christ. And so he said, through the wisdom that's given to me, I'm going to say something now. You should not live like the unbelievers around you who walk in their empty delusions. The unbelievers who walk in their empty delusions. Their corrupt logic has been clouded because of their hearts are so far from God. Their blinded understanding and deep-seated moral darkness keeps them from the true knowledge of God because of spiritual apathy. They cut themselves off from their only true hope for they surrender their lives to lewdness, impurity, and sexual obsession. But this is not the way of the life that Christ has unfolded within you. If you have really experienced the anointed one and heard his truth, it will be seen in your life. For we know that the ultimate reality is embodied in Jesus. The ultimate reality is embodied in Jesus. When all things are gone, when the dust settles, when the smoke has cleared the air, the only thing left is the word of God. 
Everything else will pass away. So why would we sell out for some selfish ambition or some lust of the flesh or some prideful intuition that we have? Why would we sell out to something that's temporal that will not last when we have an opportunity to share and to walk in the true reality of who God is and who Jesus is and be the light of the world. Amen? I think, I think the scriptures are challenging us to step out of our comfort zone, if you will, and be who he says we already are. You have more inside of you than you realize sometimes. You know, it doesn't take a great knowledge of the things of God. All you really have to know is what you know. Your own personal testimony. When Jesus came to that woman at the well, and he began to talk to her about her life, and she went back to her village. The Bible says that the whole village came out to hear Jesus when he was back in town based on what she said. (laughs) What was her testimony? She went back and told them this. I met a man who told me all about my life. And when they come to Jesus and they begin to talk to him, said, after they heard him, he said, now we believe because we've heard you. We did believe because we heard her, but now we believe. We took, we went another step deeper in the things of God. So your testimony is something that's an initiation for people to come to Jesus. It's something that draws. It's something that, uh, it's an attractant. God uses you like rat bait. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> sometimes we'll have, you know, I feed cattle and sometimes we'll get feed that's got a little old and I'll bite off barges and it's been wet or moldy and it stinks a little bit or something like that. And we will put something on to make it smell better. <laughs> We put makeup on a pig if we have to. We'll put perfume on whatever we have to do to make so we can get them to eat it because we know they need it. God has taken someone like me and someone like you, and he's put the sweet-smelling savor of the Holy Spirit on the inside of each and every one of us. So even in us talking about our own personal journey, it's something that's attractive to people that are hopeless, people who have a need in their life to know something better, to live a better life than what they have. And we sell ourselves too short sometimes. We think that we have to know everything about the Scriptures. We have to be able to break down the the deep things of the Spirit of God. And sometimes all you need to know is what Jesus has done for you. The little boy said, I don't, okay, yeah, go ahead. Give it up. That's not for me. That's for what he's done in you. The little boy said, I don't know. said, all I know, I was blind, now I see. I was blind, and now I see. Amen? If, was anybody blind, and now you see? Do you know what? You, you, just, you just cannot imagine if you could use that as a starting point and be bold in your walk with God. I think if, if we need anything, we need a good spirit of boldness. When the apostles were being attacked in, in the book of Acts, they prayed, Lord, grant us boldness that we may speak your word. Grant us boldness. Deliver us from the people. And so he's praying over these people. He said, don't be living like people who live in the world who don't know anything about God. This is not the way the life of Christ has unfolded, verse 20, in you. If you have really experienced the anointed one and heard the truth, it will be seen in your life. For we know that the ultimate reality is embodied in Jesus. And he has taught you to let go of the lifestyle of the ancient man, the old life which was corrupted by sinful and deceitful desires that spring from delusions. Now, now I want you to think about these words. Now, this sounds kind of negative, but it's not. We have people who profess themselves to be wives in our culture today. We have them in politics. We have them in the media. We have them in the entertainment world. We have them in the business world that don't know God. You say, well, how can you say that? I can tell by watching them, listening to them for about 15 minutes. How many of you have got any kind of discernment like that? If they do know him, he's really repressed him in the background somewhere. They've done a good job of hiding him. They're delusional, and they, and they profess themselves to be wise. They're going away from God instead of to God, and yet we allow people like that to intimidate us. And our culture is cratering, and we're wondering why, why won't God do something about it. And he said, I... 
sent you forth as a light to shine in a dark and a perverse nation. It's us. It's us. We're the, we're the answer. We're the key to Jesus expressing himself in the earth. You and I. That's, it's nobody else here but us. So it's us. It's just us. Nobody else showed up tonight, so it's you and I. We're going to have to save the world. Will you help me? How many is on board with me? How many is willing to be bolder in your walk with God? How many is willing to see the power of God flow through your life and want to see the power of God flow through your life? It's never going to happen until you're put into a place where you have to step out a little bit by faith. Crucify the flesh a little bit. Put pride down just a little bit to trust God and step out where no man has gone before. Challenge your own emotions and challenge your own self-consciousness about yourself and your inadequacy and what people will think about you. That's when the gospel truly begins to shine in those dark places where the pressure is to give in. The pressure is to concede. The pressure is to give up. The pressure is to just flow and get along instead of challenging the system as it is. So he's saying, these are your things that he's saying to us. The glorious Christ within you. And to be transformed. Oh, wait a minute. Let me read. I missed a part of this. Now it is time to be made new by every revelation that's been given to you. See, it's revelations that make us new. This is why it's important to stay in the Word of God. This is why it's important to be around a good church. And you're in a good church where we have a pastor that... I don't know of anyone who breaks the Word of God down any better than Pastor Dwayne does. I mean, he breaks the Word down. It, he just don't leave any rocks unturned. He's patient. He takes his time. I always want to get to the punchline. He wants to save it for about eight weeks down the road. <laughs> you know, I think, <laughs> well, I have something really good to share. In eight weeks, you'll get it if you'll keep coming back. <laughs> I'm not that patient. I usually just, we go straight to dessert. It's time to be made new by every revelation that's been given to you. Revelations that sometimes we think are insignificant. Little things that, that really don't, we, we don't think are so important. We, we keep looking for these great big revelations. And there's a lot of little things that are way more important than these great big things. I'll never forget several years ago, I was... Uh, we, this was when satellites first came out, and they were like as big as that screen up there. Remember those with big round dishes, and now people make dog houses out of them and <laughs> barns and put hay under them and everything else. But my mom and dad had one, and we would go over because we, we were too tight to have one and, uh, at the time and couldn't afford it. And we could get Christian television a little bit, and we would watch that. And they had advertised that this couple was going to come and beyond that night, and this was a well-known healing evangelist and his wife. Both of them were a team and a pair, a husband and wife. They went around the world. Very notable miracles that took place through them. And she had this great revelation that she was going to share. And I just couldn't wait. And it hadn't been but just a few weeks before that, I was dealing with a headache one day and trying to believe God to, even for a headache. You know, you ought to practice on headaches. It's a lot easier than cancer. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Practice on headaches and, and, you know, learning how to say the right thing when you feel bad and not giving in, even though you may have to take medicine. And I took the medicine just so I could function that day and do my job. And I was kind of condemned about that because I'm believing God for a miracle. And here I took some Advil or whatever the thing at the time was. And I just, I just heard the Lord say, what does medicine have to do with my healing? And I thought, what do you mean? He said, whether you take aspirin or not, doesn't affect whether I've healed you or not. By his stripes, you've been healed. If medicine makes you feel better, it keeps you alive. If you take chemo until you can get to a place of healing, if you have to take insulin in order to get you to a place where you can survive and function and live in life, there's, that, that's, not, that's insignificant. To, it's more about what you believe and what you say than what you're taking. I mean, don't, don't you take natural things that make you feel good? Eat salads and things that sometimes you don't, I mean, I actually like them, but some of you don't, but you eat them because you eat things, asparagus and broccoli and things that you don't like, sometimes because you know it's supposed to make you feel better. And so if you take an aspirin to make you feel better, and so I had this revelation, and I didn't really recognize it as a revelation. 
I just felt like God said it was okay to take the medicine. Just keep believing for your healing. And so I kind of forgot about it because it seemed so small, so insignificant, so minor. Who would even care to hear that I had that revelation? Or, and I didn't even consider it a revelation. I just felt like God told me that. And God speaks to me in a way that I understand, and he speaks to you in a way that you understand. And it may be different between all of us. That's how God, big God is. And I'm not going to tell you, you have to hear from God the way I hear from God. Nor do I have to hear the way you do or vice versa. I might have said that the same way twice. So I'm at, I'm, we go over that night and I'm waiting on this revelation. And she said, you know what the Lord showed me today? And I thought, what? Medicine has nothing to do with whether you're healed or not. <laughs> and I said, I should be on TV. <laughs> I knew that. I didn't know that was a revelation. Little building blocks in our life that God begins to build upon line by line and precept by precept. A little bit of knowledge here and a little bit of something here and a, an insight into something here. And over here you find another one and the pieces begin to come together more and more and your testimony gets larger and larger. Your ability to reach out and help people, it becomes more. You become more influential as you learn more. But see, it's those little building blocks that are important to someone else who doesn't know it. It may be the very thing that it takes to rattle their cage, so to speak, or to set them free. Not the big thing that you think they need to hear about the second coming, the Antichrist, or whatever you're, you want to think about. The mark of the beast or some other thing that most of us don't have a clue what we're talking about when we talk. We're just trying to impress someone. It's those little things that are important. These little revelations that line by line that begin to exhibit the life of Jesus Christ on the inside of us. If we just went to a school board meeting and shared little things, little bits of wisdom on how you handled a hard situation within your own family, with your own kids, how you dealt with getting a kid to get up on time and get to school. There may be some mother that absolutely is clueless on how to get that done. How to get, their, get them through their studies at home and how to deal with a cold on the job and how to deal with this problem and that problem without giving in and seeing that as your identity but seeing it as something that's of the world and of the flesh and something that's been purchased by the blood of Jesus. Those little things, those little bitty things, they're, they're significant and they're important. That one word that you have, and we, we want to prophesy he said, prophesy according to faith, not some overwhelming sensation that comes on you and you just can't hold it back, but just seeing someone even that's down and out and begin to encourage them, and that could be a very prophetic thing that maybe it's just words that you speak, which means pro prophesy is to profess, or it turns into something more that begins to come up out of your spirit as God gives you words, and you don't have to say, thus saith God. You just begin to share with them life and energy and joy and peace, and the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You begin to share and demonstrate what Jesus would have done as he was walking on the earth. He said, are you thirsty? She said, man, I'm thirsty. If you'd ask me, I'll give you a really good drink of water. See, he just made an opening out of nothing into someone's life. Okay, I forgot where I was. <laughs> And to be transformed as you embrace the glorious Christ within you as your new life and live in union with him. For God has recreated you all over again in his perfect righteousness. And you now belong to him in the realm of true holiness. So then he tells us to discard our old life and, and to begin to follow him in a more real way. Now, staying on this line, talking about... These two lives, this life in the spirit and then this life in the flesh. He said, don't live any longer like the Gentiles do in the vanity or the emptiness or the usefulness of their mind. So when we begin to look at in our culture today, there's so many things that are trying to divide and trying to separate. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall from heaven as a bolt of lightning. He, he was divisive, and, and he kicked him out because we couldn't have that. And so in the earth, we have the Spirit of God, and we have Satan and his angels, and these two warring factions 
are warring over you and in you, trying to bring division and misunderstanding and racism and all these things. And I've never seen a time where words like that were so overused and misused until we get people even in the church that's starting to, oh, maybe, am I really racist? We are the least racist country on the earth. We embrace all kinds of people in, in colors and cultures, and we love people. Look at this church. This church is full of a multicultural group of people. There's really only two races in the Bible. There's the family of God and the heathen. That's it. If you get into the natural world, there's really only three races of people. Three. And you're either one or a combination of two or all three. Every one of us. All of us are mixed up more than likely. Only three. The things that people call racism many times are just ethnicities and, and cultural differences and social and economical positions and things of that and genders. And we call these, and that's not racism. That's just simply division and factions that Satan is trying to cause between us to get us to see others differently. To bring a separation so that we're not sharing those nuggets of wisdom and those nuggets of truth to people in their time of need. And we need to put a stop to it. We need to start shining in this dark and a perverse nation. We, we need to stop it. We need to stop. We need to quit looking for someone else to answer our problems for us. Take personal responsibility for our culture. We don't need to look to the Democrats or the Republicans. We need to look to Christ and just let him flow through us. Amen. Does that mean we won't address the cultural issues? Absolutely not. It means we will address cultural issues. Look at Romans chapter 1. I, I quoted you all ago what Paul wanted to do. And those first few verses of Romans are extremely encouraging. But then he gets down here into about number, um, oh, let's see. Let's start reading at about verse 16. I refuse, this is what Paul said, I refuse to be ashamed of sharing the wonderful message of God's liberating power unleashed in us through Christ. Man, he said, this guy was not a pansy. This guy was on fire. He said, I've got something good to share, and I'm not ashamed of it. I'm going to unleash it on you if you're not careful. What if you went to your work tomorrow thinking, I'm going to unleash on somebody today. And it's not like just chew them out or cuss them out, but I'm going to just let the Holy Ghost flow, and it's going to just tear this place upside down. Shake it to the toenail. When they bring these 12 guys before the, the head, I forget if it's Pilate or which one of them, and they said, are these the men that turn all of, all of the world upside down? These handful of men turn the whole world upside down? Can you imagine what all of us could do? They turned the whole world upside down, 12 of them. What about us? What if all of us just took it on ourselves? We're going to... We're going to unleash the Holy Ghost everywhere we go. I don't mean be a nut. <laughs> I think there's a line you've got to draw in there somewhere. But have the good. Be a, be a positive. Be, be an influence of change. Be an influencer instead of influenced. Be salt instead of saltless. Be light instead of dark. Just be positive. Have, have a glow. Maintain the glow, Paul said. Be fervent in spirits, how the King James says it means. Maintain the glow. Be alive and on fire, white, hot. So he goes on to say here, I'm not ashamed of it. For I am thrilled to preach that everyone who believes is saved. The Jew first and then the people everywhere. This gospel unveils a continual revelation of God. A continual revelation of God. You want more of God? Stay in the Word of God. There's a continual revelation that flows from the Word of God when you stay in the Word of God. A continual revelation. Righteous, a perfect righteousness given to us when we believe. And it moves us from receiving life through faith to the power of living by faith. From receiving life to living life. It, there's a transformation that takes place when we get into the Word. From being introduced to the kingdom of God to walking in the kingdom of God. Those are two different things. This is what the Scripture means when it says, We are right with God through life-giving faith. Now, verse number 18. This is where it's going to get into our business. 
Everybody say, everybody say business. Don't say business. Say business. That's why you're supposed to say it if you don't know how to talk. <laughs> For God in heaven unveils his holy anger. Now, that sounds pretty negative, don't it? But you know what? We've got to realize the anger of God has been revealed, but it doesn't show up like we a lot of times think it does. It doesn't show up in earthquakes and fire, and it doesn't show up in floods and disasters like that. And I'm, I'm going to kind of jump ahead just so you won't be wondering, but the way it shows up is God allows us to do what we want to do. He allows us to go down a negative road if we want to. He allows us to live in sin if that's what we choose to do. He gives us over to the thing that we desire if we keep resisting the prompting of the Holy Spirit. He'll just let us do what we want to do. And the consequences then are really on us and not him. I'll tell you what, you just keep going up and poking a big guy with a sharp stick, he's going to hit you in the nose before the night's over. And it's not God's fault. Right? So don't be crying, what? He hit me. Well, you poked him with a stick. What did you think was going to happen? Oh, that felt good. Do it again. No. <laughs> See, we, 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 everybody's looking for someone else to blame. We have a society who won't take personal responsibility. It's up to me to live the best life that I can live. Not up to you or not up to my pastor. My pastor does his best to teach me the Word of God, but I have to make it applicable in my own life. So he says right here, For God's heaven, for God in heaven unveils his holy anger, breaking forth against every form of sin, both toward ungodliness that lives in the hearts of evil actions, for the wickedness of humanity deliberately smothers the truth. Now that's a pretty big one right there. God's not hiding truth from us. But wickedness deliberately smothers the truth. I hope this unveils itself just a little more as we read this. Sometimes if we hold on to something that God's dealing with, instead of getting closer to God, we get further from God. Instead of understanding more about how to walk free, and where I was trying to go tonight, and I'm not going to get there because I started in the wrong place, was how to live a life of freedom when we have a world that's trying to put us in bondage. And I had taken that from Acts chapter 21, and I may not get to come back for a while, so I'm just going to give you a little <laughs> mini nutshell right here. But it said in the world there's going to be disasters, there's going to be wars, rumors of wars, there's going to be famines in the earth, there's going to be all kinds of things going on in the earth, and people will rise up and say, I can do this, and I can take charge, and people saying, I can, if you'll follow me. And he said, don't listen to them. These things have to happen, but the end is not yet. And all of this is a way to bring control into our lives by using natural occurrences, the heating of the earth or the cooling of the earth. Natural occurrences trying to bring us into bondage so they can control us through our money and through economics and through our living and how we live and what we can and can't do. And Jesus is trying to take us to a place of liberty. When God sent Moses into Pharaoh, he said, you tell him, free my people, let them go. This is a political move. God in heaven making a political statement. Deal with him. You tell him, let my people go. Moses said, well, I'm Moses. Well, who am I going to say sent me? You tell him I am. The, Greek, the, the Hebrews translate it like this. They don't say I am that I am, though that's what it means. They said, you tell them I will be who and what I am. I am free. I'm going to be and do what I'm supposed to be and do. I'm God, and nobody's going to tell me what I can and can't do. And he has created us in his very image. So Paul said, you put me in prison. I'm already free. If we could learn how to see ourselves free no matter what condition we're in, we're already free. Huh? Well, 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 hold that. You're not going to like that. Is that you won't like this part right here. So you're going to want to take that back. So I'm going to just take it back right now. Most of us end up in prison. Well, I can't believe they put me in prison. I'm just doing something good. I just can't believe. They're taking half of my check. I can't. This is what the world does. 
It puts people in bondage. And we get all out, bent out of shape, and we're com- mad, and we're complaining, and we're griping, and we're belly aching, and we're making everyone around us nauseous. God's about to throw up off the edge of the balcony in heaven because he can't stand to hear any more of it. You say, well, that's not. You shouldn't play with the Word of God. Like in, in the book of Isaiah, God says, you weary me with your constant griping and complaining. You're wearing me out. That's God said that. Man, you got to be pretty negative to wear God out. <laughs> Do not friend me on Facebook if that's you. <laughs> Lord. So he's wanting us to be free. Now, I'm going to finish up right here really quick. I'm out of time. For God unveils his holy anger. We read that. For the wickedness of humanity deliberately smothers the truth and keeps people from acknowledging the truth about God. It keeps them from acknowledging the truth about God. So, so think about this. If, if, you're, if you're caught up in wickedness and you're smothering the truth, and you're in a position where you should be speaking the truth. I don't mean a preacher. I'm talking about the nightly newscaster. A politician. An, em- uh, uh, an employer. Your neighbor down the street. Because of their rejection of God and the truth. They can't help but say something that's the opposite of the truth. It's predicted right here. I never dreamed we would see it in our life like this, that we would go so far from one place to where we are. But as easy as we have fell, we can rise right back up. Amen? And it's a wake-up call to us to come alive, church, and be influential in our, our earth. It keeps people from acknowledging the truth about God. In reality, the truth of God is known instinctively. See, this is what, we, what you need to realize about the gospel. There's not a person that's been born that doesn't instinctively know there's a God. You say, well, what about atheists? I don't, I can't answer for atheists why they can say what they say. I only can answer for what God said. God said they instinctively know there's a God. Have you ever seen a little baby just born and all of his fingers are working and it's alive and it's breathing and these involuntary muscles are making its heart beat and, and all of the nerves are working in its body. You don't have to think about it and all the reflexes it's already programmed into that body to know how to suck and how to cry when it needs to and it learns to smile and all the things that, that did not happen by accident. There's a divine design and you can't help but look at The billions of things that have to happen perfectly to make a tree grow out of an acorn. How to make a baby come out of two people from liquids and and now they're a living, breathing human being that propels life and perpetuates it from one generation to the next. You can't help but see that and know there's a God if you'll be honest with yourself. And yet the Bible says that they profess themselves to be wise, they become fools. By trying to hold on to their lives, they become foolish. And so we have universities that are full of people who have bought into the lie of evolution. I'm not saying there's not evolution of some kind. I'm evolving. (laughs) I used to be a lot slimmer. I'm evolving into a much thicker individual. (laughs) I never was any taller, but the, the less slim I am, the shorter I think I am. (laughs) <laughs> I think it's just I can't pull my pants up as high as I used to. They just, <laughs> I refuse to be that guy with pants up to here, though. I refuse that one. <laughs> but they, they want to buy into something because it's wise, and they, and they want to be a part of the, the boys' club, and they don't want to acknowledge God because if you acknowledge God, you've got to look into your own heart, your own life. To really acknowledge God, I have to admit, I'm a sinner. To look into perfect holiness, I have to say, I'm not holy. And the, and the answer is, we just need a Savior, and He makes us holy. That's what this good news is. And yet they're trying to squelch God because they don't want to have to admit that. In reality, the truth of God is known instinctively, for God has embedded this knowledge inside every human heart. They're born 
with the knowledge of God on the inside of them. I'm not talking about salvation knowledge. They have to hear the gospel for that. But I'm talking about the knowledge of knowing we come from a higher source than ourselves. Well, if you start sharing the gospel with them and it wakens that, it lights that fire on the inside of them and it starts causing them to question the reason for living. They start questioning why they're on the earth. They start questioning what they thought was true and what they've been taught. And occasionally, if you'll start preaching the gospel and sharing the good news, when you have the opportunities and when God opens the doors for you, it just may stick on some of them. Ecclesiastes says, give a portion to seven, even eight, for you don't know which is going to come back, this one or that one. You know what I mean? Just constantly throwing the seed out, and every once in a while, one of them will grow. I'm going to read on through this really quick. Opposition to truth cannot be excused on the basis of ignorance, because from the creation of the world, the invisible qualities of God's nature have been made visible, such as his eternal power and transcendence. He has made his wonderful attributes easily perceived. Easily perceived. Everybody say easily perceived. The gospel is not hard. For seeing the invisible makes us understand, for seeing the visible makes us understand the invisible. So this it leaves everyone without excuse. Throughout human history, the fingerprints of God were upon them, yet they refused to honor him as God. So they refused to honor him as God. Do you remember in 2008? A political party, and this is, I'm, I'm not citing, I want to go up and kick both of them. I want to wipe the whole thing clean. Sometimes you start over. But they did everything they could to take the mention of God out of their platform. It was too divisive. They didn't want to acknowledge God. Why? Because right here he's telling us if you acknowledge God, you have to make a decision. And so they begin to take him out. Well, watch what happened when you start taking God out of your knowledge. He said, they refused to honor him as God or even be thankful for his kindness. Instead, they entertained corrupt and foolish thoughts about what God was like. This left them without nothing but misguided hearts steeped in moral darkness. Although claiming to be super intelligent, they were in fact shallow fools. For only a fool, <laughs> this, only a fool, only a fool would trade the unfading splendor of the immortal God to worship the fading image of other humans. Idols made to look like people, animals, birds, and even creeping reptiles. This is why God lifted off his restraining hand. This is where his anger come in and his judgment. He lifted off his restraining hand and let them have full expression of their sinful and shameful desires. God's exposing he has drawn a line, clear line in the sand, so there is no doubt about what's right or what's wrong anymore. And I challenge you, dear one, I don't care what you think your political party is or why you think you believe a certain way. If someone is wrong, they're wrong. If they're wrong, they're wrong in both sides. Right? Right? And we need to quit following into this because, see, when we follow along and we suppress what we know about them, we're suppressing the knowledge of God in our own lives. And we're getting darker and darker and darker and more immoral and more depraved. Until if we're not careful, we can start believing a lie also into a place. I, I don't think any of you are going to get there. I, I, don't, I believe more than that about all of us. But it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. And find ourselves on this side of God, <laughs> on the good side. God don't, maybe he don't wake up on the wrong side of the bed, but I come to him on his wrong side if I'm not careful. <laughs> so he lifted his hand. Now, I'm almost, through. man, I want to go so far. Look at verse 26. For this reason, God then gave them over to their own disgraceful, vile passions. Look at verse 28. And because they thought it worthless to embrace the true knowledge of God, God gave them over to worthless mindset to break all the rules of proper conduct. Their sinful lives became full of every kind of evil, wicked schemes, greed, cruelty. Their hearts overflowed with jealous cravings, with conflict and strife, which drove them into hateful arguments and murder. They 
are deceitful liars full of hostility. They gossip who love to spread malicious slander with inflated egos. They hurl hateful insults at God. Yet they are nothing more than arrogant boasters. They are rebels against their parents in total immoral. They are senseless, faithless, ruthless, heartless, and completely merciless. Although they are fully aware of God's laws in proper order and knowing that those who do all those things deserve to die, yet they still go headlong into darkness, encouraging others to do the same thing and applauding them when they do. A very, very, very well-known leader, lady, this week was encouraging women to come out and celebrate their abortions. I hope nobody agrees with that in this house. If you do, come. We need to talk. Applauding that. Applauding this wicked behavior. Yes, come on out. This is why, dear ones, we can't just sit back. We have to engage. And I don't mean to be an activist on the street carrying a sign, the end is near, or carrying a cross. But just get engaged like Danny does here in the downtown area, just encouraging businesses and building them up. And, and we're going to build people up. And we're one life at a time, we're going to encourage people. We're going to help the down and out. And we're going to be there. And we're going to show a different side of humanity than all of these corrupt individuals that people with a half a brain can see how corrupt they are. With a half a mind can say, they're lying dogs. They say this today and that tomorrow, and everybody forgets they were recorded, and we can see what they said. It takes a special kind of stupid <laughs> to think that we're that ignorant. And that the church, if the church will mobilize, if the church will mobilize, we can affect our society and we can change the world and we can get this gospel spread the way we're supposed to be spreading this gospel. Amen. Amen. See, if, if, if we hadn't changed the time, I could keep going. <laughs> they took an hour away from me. Guys, would you stand, please? I really wanted to get into something really deep, but I really don't know anything very deep, so that was off the table right off the bat. But I do know this. We serve a loving God. We serve a God who is for us and not against us. We serve a God that could change anyone's life, and, and we ask him all the time, would you touch this person, would you touch that person? And he said, yeah, yeah, put your hand on them. Reach out, I'll touch them. Reach out, I'll touch them. We pray for someone and maybe they don't get well or it doesn't end like we think it should. We fall back and get discouraged and we take responsibility for that. And we think, well, I couldn't. You can't anyway. You can't anyway. All you can do is touch them. All you can do is share what you know. God has to bring the increase, and he's the one who does that. And We need to just press in. And if we prayed for a 1,000 people, we need to pray for a 1,000 more, no matter what the results look like. I can't answer all the questions why someone is sick or someone died. or I can't answer the questions why. Good people seemingly have difficult times. And someone starts a great business with a great ideal and all of a sudden their business is belly up and it's not necessarily their fault. Things happen out of our control sometimes. It was a good ideal and it would work maybe six months down the road or it would have worked six months earlier, but it's just timing. And I'm not saying God didn't call you to do it. I'm, I'm not judging that you just, things just happen. A depression will affect all of us. A recession will affect all of us, even though I refuse to go in one. I do know things change around me when we go through difficult times. See, I, I can't answer all those questions for you. I don't know why your husband left you. I don't know why your wife left you. I don't know why 
There's no intimacy in your marriage anymore. I don't know why your kids hate you and you hate your kids. I don't know why you can't get a raise. I don't know why you've got health problems. And I don't know why. I can't answer all of those questions. But I know what God said in His Word. I'm only responsible to say what God said. By His stripes you're healed. I'm only responsible to say to you, Give and it shall be given unto you. I'm only responsible for what God said. And I'm persuaded that if a mobilized group of people like us would just start saying what God says about things, starting in our own life, over our own bodies, over our own situation, I think there's something infectious about the Word of God, that it would awaken the people around us. And they'll start saying, hey, how come you're always happy? Oh, I just don't have enough sense to know any different. It's not the right answer. <laughs> the Holy Ghost is on the inside of you. I enjoy my life. I don't like everything about my life, but I enjoy it as a whole. And, there's, and when you take a package deal, there's just things in a package sometimes that you don't like everything about it. I'm sure mothers don't like changing dirty diapers. But you sure like rocking that baby when they're soft and cuddly. And so we take the whole package, don't we? It's the same with the walk of God. Take the whole package. Love him, worship him, be a witness, trust him, speak his word, instant in, season and out. Amen. Father, we commit as a people. I'm speaking for everybody. We commit as a people. And if you believe this, you can just say amen when I get through. We commit, Father. To be the light that you told us to be. We commit to looking at you on a regular basis. And being changed into the same image from glory to glory. We commit to your word that we've heard tonight. That you're already doing something great on the inside of us. And I release that through each and every one of us tonight. We will be the world changers you've called us to be. We will be the people that change our society. That influence our school boards and our city councils and will influence the business world and Father we've inherited a generation of non-workers and people who have no clue as to right and wrong and they don't understand the hazards of socialism and we didn't cause it maybe but we inherited this so give us the wisdom on how to address these issues in our culture And let us be the light. Instead of saying we're a gone society, let us say we're a changing society. And I'm going to be a part of this great revival. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right. You're dismissed. If you have prayer, there's guys that will come up and we'll be praying for anybody. Amen. You're dismissed.